welcome to Been Thinking About You, the show where I reconnect with those in my past who are doing cool things. Today we are joined by Lillian Elmore, a disabilities advocate, public speaker, and the reigning national Miss Amazing Teen Queen. She has been acknowledged by the Lexington Disabilities Commission for competing in the aforementioned pageant and was the winner of the Bina Farm Center Terry Snow Spirit Award back in 2017. And honoree of TEDx and BU. Lillian, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. Of course. So I know that you have, if I got this right, correct me if I'm wrong, you have spastic quadriplegia cerebral palsy? Yes, ma'am. That's what I have. And to viewers who may not know, could you describe what that means and how would you describe your experience growing up and living with cerebral palsy? Spastic quadriplegia is like a division in the umbrella term for cerebral palsy, which is basically when you're born, your brain doesn't get enough oxygen shortly after, before, or during the birth. And so in my case, for all four areas of my body are being told to contract by my brain. So it's like having a giant cramp all over your body all the time. When I was growing up, no one really made me feel like I was different until I got to middle school. And you know how middle school is a little crazy. But for the most part, I feel completely accepted and loved by the people in my community. So I could not be happier. That's awesome. Just out of curiosity, if you're comfortable talking about, could you talk a bit more about your experience in middle school? Like what kind of drama involved? Mostly just like me not really accepting my disability and kind of pulling away from people, which probably wasn't the healthiest thing for me to do. And so that got a little tough. But then I realized that with my differences, I could either sit and wallow in like a sadness, especially when the chronic pain comes along, or I could use it as fuel to help other people and be kind. So I chose the second option. And were there any events that kind of spurred that epiphany or was did you just wake up Sunday and just realize it and decide to act on it? It was more like gradual, like slowly I began to realize like, okay, me sitting and wallowing in my own despair isn't healthy and so I need to do something about it. Now in recent years, you've started to be more publicly speaking and educating others on a grand scale on cerebral palsy and other disabilities. What made you decide right now that this is something that you wanted to do? I realized that 12-year-old me really could have used a voice of someone saying, you can still have a good life. Your disability does not define the quality of your life. So then I realized that there was nobody out there that could really say that to me. So I kind of became that voice for other people. How do you balance professional speaking with schoolwork? Um, the short answer is I don't. The long answer is I do, but sometimes there's a lot of comedy involved. So, like, me trying to figure out dates and things like that. And my school generally is pretty supportive and loves that I'm doing all this stuff. And it just makes me really happy to be able to do it. And how do you normally find out about these opportunities where you could speak and whatnot? Connections with other people and then the internet. Could you talk a bit more about the internet? So how I found out about at least a couple of my opportunities is that I was on an online newspaper and a newscast. And so especially the most recent one I did for Procter & Gamble, the lady found me and reached out to the Massachusetts Amazing Branch and was like, can we contact Lillian? And then they put her in touch with my mom and one thing led to another. And then I was able to speak at their Empowering People with Disabilities kind of summit thing they had going on which was really cool. And so I actually do want to talk a bit more about your Procter & Gamble speech. And a couple of points that really stuck out to me when I saw was that you mentioned how it is not enough for us to just provide inclusion in regards to improving the livelihood of people with disabilities, but also breaking down visible and invisible barriers, holding them back. So for viewers who are unfamiliar, could you talk a bit more about these kinds of physical and stereotypical barriers that you have observed people with disabilities face? I could do a whole 
another podcast episode on the magnitude of this. Basically, what I mean by not just inclusion, but acceptance. Inclusion is just being like, oh yeah, you can hang out with us. But acceptance is like, how can we modify our mindset to make sure that you have the best time possible? Because sometimes, even if people do include me, they're not fully accommodating. And so then I have to do more work and it's frustrating for everyone. So if you want to include someone with a disability, do your research and make sure that they feel comfortable. There's one quote that you said in your speech that I liked, and it kind of is along the same idea, and I'm paraphrasing here, is to not exclude people from events, as you say, people with disabilities, but rather let them figure out how to adapt themselves. Yes. Yes. I love that quote that I was obsessed. Still do. Because a lot of times when I was a kid, people would be like, oh, I don't want to invite her to this party or whatever, because I'm not sure if she'll be able to do it. Because they were thinking that, like, save my feelings. But it actually made me feel worse. I'd much rather have somebody say, hey, I really want to invite you to kind of this little thing, but I'm not sure if you'll be able to do it. Here's what we're doing. Here's where it's at. And then have me kind of say, okay, here's what I think I'm going to be able to do. Here's how you can accommodate. Then it's just more fun for everyone. Can you also talk a bit more, for those who don't know about the stereotypes associated, how that could detrimentally impact those with disabilities? So a lot of people take disabled people as those who don't really have enough cognitive function or are kind of sad, that they can't do a lot, that they're just kind of sitting around wallowing about how miserable their life is because they're disabled. They think that because you're inherently disabled, your life is less happy. But that's not true because I'm 17 and I may be quadriplegic, but I have lived a really just wonderful life with the support of people and wonderful opportunities. And to anybody out there listening right now who wants to learn more how to be a better athlete, ally or friend to someone they know with disabilities, what would you want to tell them? Oh god, there's a lot I would want to tell. Just be a supporter. Say, what can I do to help? Here, let me include you. Do you want to talk about stuff that, you know, you like to enjoy and maybe we can, like, relate on that different level? Or, like, if you can't go somewhere, maybe be like, oh, here's a different idea so that everyone can join. Yeah, throughout all your speeches that I have seen, you've always been very open to questions and encouraged people to ask no matter what to, like, bridge this gap of understanding. Encouraging the change of combo from pity to perspective and increase that connection. And so, over how long you've been doing these speeches, do you have any favorite questions that, like, I really am glad that you asked? That's I never really thought about answering that before. Oh, oh God, that's so hard. Wow. I can't even think of a specific one. But just some things that people say are just so insightful. And they're like, wow, I wouldn't even think that you wouldn't know that. Like, something as simple as how do you get around? And, like, if I'm not in my power wheelchair, how do you travel? How do you... It's more like, how do you do things? And it's like, people don't think that I'm able to do all these things until I explain it to them. Because there's always a way you can do something, no matter what you have going on. And I don't think people realize that. You can always find a way to adapt things, or at least physical things. It's mindsets that are a lot harder to change. On the flip side, would you say that there are questions that either because they have continuously asked, or you just think that is a kind of insensitive or silly question? Do you have any least favorite questions Uh, over the years? Oh gosh, there's definitely a few. It's more just like think about what you would ask a person without a disability and what you wouldn't and think about those questions and then imagine someone asking you those questions that you wouldn't even ask an able-bodied person. And, like, those are the type of questions that I don't like. Gotcha. So I know that, going a bit more to the Miss Amazing pageant, I've seen you a couple of interviews say you saw a couple of documentaries featuring Miss Amazing, and throughout the years or months, you're like, maybe I'll do it, and you just keep putting it off, and then ultimately you decide, you know what, I'll just give it a try. So, out of curiosity, what were those documentaries that you saw that featured Miss Amazing? They were on a YouTube channel called Attitude. They're a production company that does a lot with disabled people based in New Zealand, so 
I was down that rabbit hole, I guess, of their channel, and I just saw them, and I was like, I don't know, maybe I should do this. And, like, something kept saying to me, you have to do this. And so I did. For those of you who don't know the work that goes into preparing for a pageant, from registering for the actual event to first competing in either Miss Amazing for Massachusetts or in then Nationals, how long did it take you to prepare for the pageant and what did you have to do? Oh gosh. So for states, it was definitely a lot shorter because I only found out about it a month before the actual state pageant occurred. And so I had to get a dress, write a speech, perfect my talent, practice interview questions, and just make sure that I was going to be, you know, comfortable on stage. And I guess they liked me. So then I went on to nationals and that was a lot of prep. I had to get a new dress. I had to work with a singing coach because my talent is singing. I had to rewrite an entirely new introduction. I had to go through a much harder interview with like three people asking me questions. It was hard, but it was a lot of fun as well. Could you talk a bit more about the speech and what that entailed? It was more just like, this is who I am kind of thing. So I was like, hi, I'm William from Massachusetts, and I live where the dead white guys set the cannons off, and I hope that with this platform I'll be able to help people realize that they can live a good life despite challenges, and thanks for having me. Just out of curiosity, I haven't really seen anywhere you describe, what was the talent that you did? I sang. I'm a singer a little bit. So for state, I sang Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid. And for nationals, I sang Born This Way by Lady Gaga. Oh. And how long have you been singing for? Since I could talk, but it's weird for me, like, doing it when there's cameras and everything. So I've gotten more used to it as time has gone on, but it's still always, like, a little bit out of my comfort zone doing it. Yeah. For the interview, well, how did you go about preparing for the kind of questions that the judges would ask you? My parents would grill me with questions, but they thought the judges were going to ask me, and I just practiced that way. It's kind of like talking to a friend. And so when a friend is asking you questions, you just kind of ask me your natural self and, like, infuse some personality. So it was kind of like... Yeah. Were there any specific kind of topics that specifically Miss Amazing focused on? Like how other... I don't remember because it was so long ago. <laughs> it was more just like cool and like what I was doing in the community to reach out and help people, I think. It's so long ago, I don't remember. And so most critics of beauty pageants say they say that incredibly conceited and sexist, etc. By what degree do you agree with those sentiments? And are there any ways that you challenge those stereotypes regarding pageants? I say that yes, they can be competed in sexist and whatever, depending on like what pageant you're doing. But these pageants are for a very particular type of girl, and they're to help us girls with disabilities feel good on the inside and on the outside. And everyone was super supportive. So if you find the right niche, then you're going to have a wonderful, supportive community where people are just going to shine their energies all around you. Could you also describe it more about the supportive side of pageants? Because I know you've been very vocal about that as well. When I won, I was definitely not expecting the reaction from other people. I freaked out, but other people freaked out. I was getting hugs from just random strangers and people saying, you totally deserved it. And like high fives and like, here's my number. If you need anything, like call me up. And it was just a really sweet and nice experience. And I think a lot more people need to have that kind of support system around them. Absolutely. Was there anything that you didn't anticipate originally when you were first going into the Miss Massachusetts pageant? Winning. Winning. <laughs> winning. It was just so that I could make new friends and feel pretty for a day. I was like, that's all I'm wanting out of it is cool to win, but that's not the primary goal. And then I won, and you know the rest of it from there. Mm-hmm. If you had to go through the whole process over again, what advice would you give to your past self? Don't be so nervous. Relax. You're here to have fun. 
there's no pressure being put on you to do well. And lastly, you mentioned in an interview that you initially didn't know how to handle the platform of Miss Amazing when you won. How have you since decided to utilize your platform? Do you have any areas of focus? I'm just continuing to do what I'm doing, continuing to tell people, you can live a good life. Your circumstances do not define the quality of your life. Do you have any favorite or least favorite things about being the current reigning oh, queen? Yeah. My favorite thing is being able to show people that they can feel beautiful on the inside. Because sometimes when I'm like at events and there are little kids, I give them my crown and I let them take a picture with it. And I say, you're a queen now too. And the way that little girl's face will just light up is probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my entire life. And we say, I don't think I have a least favorite thing, really. I've really enjoyed my time as uh, National Miss Amazing. That's awesome to hear. Thank you. You said also in your pageant that you always wanted to give a TED Talk, and through that you actually got connections for the parents of one of the people who was helping you. They were able to give you connections via TEDx and BU honoree. Going back a bit, why did you always want to give a TED Talk? Something about the energy of just the people sharing their ideas and giving so much of themselves so that the world can be a better place is something that's always resonated with me. And so I was like, I hope that someday that I can make the world feel a little better with my words and what I have to say. And so doing that has always resonated with me. So when they were like, oh, you want to do this? I was like, oh my God, yes. Do you have a favorite TED Talk or speaker? Oh, gosh. No, I really don't. I loved them all. They were great. And they just all had beautiful stories that were definitely worth seeing on that stage for. Do you have any other similarly ambitious goals in the future? Well, I want to become a disability advocacy lawyer on Capitol Hill, so that's kind of ambitious. But other than that, no. Could you talk a bit more about Capitol Hill? Sounds really interesting. So, I haven't really done anything with it yet, but I want to be able to kind of be a leader in changing, again, changing the conversation from pity to perspective and making sure that people with disabilities feel like they can do stuff in the world. And so I feel like advocating for our rights is going to definitely get us to that point. I think you mentioned this on your Instagram in the past. There's already somebody who has a disability who is currently in law school and is doing a similar goal. Yes, Lucy. Oh my god, I love her. She's great. I don't know. I think she's doing disability law, but I'm not sure like if she'll want to be on Capitol Hill or like what her story is, but she's really cool. Could you talk a bit more about her? I don't really know her that well. We're kind of just like occasional internet friends, but she's awesome. Super like gung-ho and like you can do anything and ready to kick some butt. Now I'm going to tell you more about your time when you interviewed with Nikki Innocent on her podcast, Checkbox Ether. That was so fun. What was the experience like? It was my first time ever doing a podcast. So I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. But she was just like super relaxing. And like, it was just like talking to a friend. And like our energies were really vibing that day. So we were able to like connect on a lot of things that we probably wouldn't have if our energies didn't match so quickly. Yeah, and you met her at the TEDx event. Yeah, I did. She was great. Yeah, I remember she was giving a presentation or workshop on female leaders and whatnot. Yeah. How was that experience? I didn't actually go, but watching her speak, oh my god, her energy was just amazing. And it was like, if she can kick butt in this world, so can I. Yeah. It's just that kind of energy. So for everybody listening right now, if you haven't heard it, I would highly recommend you check out Lillian's episode on Checkbox Other. I thought it was really good, and they touched upon similar topics as well. And I remember in that interview, you mentioned that when you meet people, you want to give off an energy of positivity. And I think you are probably one of the most overwhelmingly positive people I've ever known, and that is very much a compliment. And oh, well, thank 
Yeah. yeah. And I say it as people because the first time Lily and I met, it was in math class freshman year. And I remember I arrived just a, a little bit late since it was in that weird common area between the science and the math building. Oh, that's a weird spot. That is a very weird spot. And so I remember we were at the same table. And normally how it goes on the first day of school, you just sit down, you just kind of ignore each other until eventually you're forced to kind of work together because school. But Lillian, she was sitting right across me and she all gave a big smile and she was waving at me. I was like, oh, okay, this is new. And it was a good kind of new. And I waved back. And so I always really appreciate the kind of positive energy that you always carried around with you. Oh, well, thank you. I believe that you have the same type of positive energy, and I love that you aren't afraid to be yourself, and we miss you at Lexington. How is everything over there right now? Everything is good. We miss your energy. Our mutual friends say hello. Yeah, everything's good. Senior year's been going pretty well. Senior year in general is kind of stressful, but, you know, what can I say? But overall, you know, everything is good, but we wish that we still had the Ryan sparkle with us. That's so sweet. I miss all you guys, too. For everyone, yeah. everyone listening, hello. And so, do you have any advice to viewers regarding how to maintain positivity the way you do and continuing to carry on living a happy and positive life? Remind yourself that it is going to be okay. So, when you're in a negative headspace, it can be really hard to get yourself out. So, for me, I like to look to the future. If I'm having a day where I'm in a lot of pain because my future causes a lot of pain, I'm like, okay, what am I doing in the next few weeks that I can look forward to? that when I'm tired and I'm upset and I feel like dwelling on the negative that I can be like no but I can't because I have this thing to look forward to and just helping other people is also really helpful too because you're giving a part of yourself to someone else so you're not immersing yourself in your negative feelings as much are there any common like, a series of things that often get you excited via certain events or being able to see certain people etc Hanging out with my friends, especially, like, my adult friends who are also disabled, giving them a call. Even being able to, like, something simple as, oh, I have a certain person coming over to help me, and this person is really good at doing my hair or showering. Or, oh, I have a free period, so I can go Starbucks and drink a hot chocolate to treat myself because this week has been really hard. One thing I've noticed that throughout all of your speeches, you often describe yourself as an artist, so could you talk a bit more about your art? Oh, gosh. Well, I've been painting since 8th grade, and I do some paint and stuff. And I also write poetry, and I've been doing that since 6th grade. And they've both been some really just good outlets for me to kind of explain things that I wouldn't otherwise be able to explain to people. Are there any certain paintings or poems that you have written that you are most proud of? There is one particular... My poems are, like, really emotional and emo, so I don't know if I consider myself proud of them, but I guess I am in some way. But there is one particular painting that is up in my room, and I'm looking at it right now. I'm telling in my room while we're doing this. And it's called My Running Dream. And it's a picture of me standing up, running in a field of flowers that I painted. And it's a really good reminder of there's still hope. You may not be able to do all the things that you want to do now, but you will later in life if you keep working hard and having a good attitude. And you can stop me if this is too much of a personal question, but I do understand you've made a couple of social media posts regarding how you've been undergoing physical therapy, trying to learn how to walk, and your end goal is to walk across the graduation stage, receive your diploma, and again with the painting, running across the field of flowers. Could you describe your journey in regards to physical therapy, how it's currently going now, and how do you feel your progress is going towards reaching your goals? Oof. So I've done therapy to gain more functional mobility since I was two and a half. But I've only recently started to get really into the fact that I wanted to walk across the stage for senior year graduation. So I upped my therapy schedule 
started new therapies. And I'm proud to say that a couple days ago, I just got a new walking frame that I'm going to be able to use to walk across the stage for graduation. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Really, that is amazing. I'm very proud of you. That is awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Going back, are there any poems that you're especially proud of as well? Well, there's one that kind of describes how I deal with my pain. I wrote it on a really a day where I was in a lot of just severe pain. I was lying in bed. I was just like, this is not fun. And so I wrote it. It's called Fighting the Beast. And I auditioned with it to get onto a Poetry Slam team and ended up making the team. Oh, yes. I remember Poetry Slam Club. Yeah, so fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Could you describe your experience there? Oh, it's been so fun. I've done Poetry Slam Club for a while. But I also joined another Massachusetts-based team called Grub Street. And they were both just amazing experiences. The people's energy was great. You would think that it'd be really hard to share vulnerabilities, and in a way it is. But having the supportive energy that both groups offered me was just amazing. Do you have any favorite paintings or poems in general out there in the world? I really like Maya Angelou. I think she just is beautiful and cryptic and her energy was amazing. And the way that she can make you feel things is amazing. And then for painting, Monet. His use of color is just gorgeous and I love it. Who would you say in the world are your greatest inspirations and why? Oh gosh, that's a lot. I don't probably like the word inspiration because there's a lot that comes with it. But one of my role models, I would say, is definitely Chelsea Hill. She's a dancer who is also a paraplegic. And I go to her dance convention every year. And she's amazing. She's running her own business. She's traveling around the world. And she just has this, you can do anything you put your mind to energy. And it's so awesome to be around. Is it the roulettes? Am I remembering correctly? Yes, it is the roulette. Could you describe oh, your... Ex- yeah, of course. When your interview icons are Sean Evans from Hot Ones and Nardwar, the human serviette, you do a deep dive. Wow. So could you talk a bit more about your experience with the roulettes? So I found the roulettes through the internet because where else would I find things, right? And my sister was like, you should do this. She found it through Ellen. And I was like, all right. So I did it. And I just made some of the most amazing friends that I possibly could ever have. And I definitely would not be the same without them because they're just supportive, they're doing things with their life, and they made me realize that I can do so much more than I ever imagined if I just test the water, if I stick in a toe and try to see what there is out there. And what kind of choreo do you guys learn there? Are there certain styles of dance that you kind of lean towards? Lyrical and hip-hop is what we do. I love hip-hop the best to get to, to move around. There are a lot of times where I'll end up almost throwing myself out of my wheelchair because I'm dancing so hard. It's a lot of fun. Are there any certain moves or routines that you find those are your most favorite? Oh, God. I don't think I have a favorite. I love them all way too much. Another Instagram post I remember a while back, you were like a commemoration of FDR. Could you talk a bit more about him? All right. Well, FDR has always been one of my role models because despite his own challenges and his own struggles, he took a struggling nation and gave us hope. And so I think that if you can take a group of people that are struggling and be like, no, there is hope despite your own challenges, then you have to be a pretty wonderful, strong, amazing human being. And I love him for the fact that he was able to take our nation and really give it kind of a boost that it needed despite his own pain and struggles and issues that he had. Yeah, I mean, three terms. That definitely counts for something. Oh, yeah. 
And I know, especially of the Instagram post, you were always praising your friendships and always not afraid to shy away and shower others with compliments. Could you describe other important friendships that you haven't mentioned already and what they mean to you? Oh, gosh. So, like I said before, I was a dance camp friend. A couple years ago, I went to a, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like a college preparatory camp. And so I made and kept a bunch of friendships in there. And they've been super supportive. Like, we call each other almost every day. And then my friends at school are just amazing. When I'm having a bad day, they make me laugh. And we are constantly hanging out. And none of my friends ever make me feel like I'm little the different kid or the girl in the wheelchair who, like, oh, look at her. It's so sad. They're like, all right, you can stick in the snowman. We're going to shovel you out, and then we're going to laugh about it and tease you about it later. And if I did my research correctly, you are a woman of faith, correct? Yes, ma'am. I am a woman of faith. And just out of curiosity, what religion is it that you follow? So I grew up Catholic, but I identify myself as non-denominational Christian. And could you describe your religious experience? So for me, I feel like God has just sent some wonderful people and some wonderful experiences into my life so that I can use those to help other people. What's your favorite things about your religion? I think I just love the fact that I feel like I can talk to God at any moment and he's going to be there for me. I remember a while ago, back when I was living in Lexington, you mentioned how you got an acting manager. I did. That was a wonderful experience. How has your acting career gone since then? So I've done a bunch of auditions here and there. I haven't gotten anything yet, but you know, we're still keeping the hope. Yeah. What kind of roles do you normally get in the process? Normally I try out for like roles of teens or preteens because I look pretty young. And I feel like representation is important because if a kid who's feeling like they're the only one in the world sees someone who's like them on the TV screen, it's like, oh, hey, I'm not the only one. And look what they're doing. I can do this because they're doing that. Going back, as I mentioned earlier, you were recognized by the Lexington Disability Commission for your achievements in the National Miss Amazing pageant. Could you talk a bit more about that experience? That was cool. They were like, hi, William, we're seeing what you're doing, and we had no idea that you were, you know, around in such a force, and we just really want to recognize you for what you did. So I went to one of their meetings, and they gave me a plaque. And I was like, wow, I'm making such a difference. Even if it's not on, like, the grand scheme of things, I know that I am making a difference and that people are recognizing it. That's really awesome. And they actually do have time to talk over the Bina Farm Center, which I am very excited about. Could you describe how did you originally discover it? When I was 12, again, I was feeling a little lonely. And so my mom reached out to a bunch of different groups of people to be like, oh, do you have anyone that's, like, similar to my daughter who, you know, has the quadriplegic and, like, is learning and she's in school? And they put me in touch with this girl. And they were like, we're opening up a location in Lexington. Would you like to ride? And so I did. And then they started this movie project that we did. And that was so successful that they started the Teen Ambassador Program, which I am no longer doing because of scheduling conflicts, but have really enjoyed my time with. And I guess in 2017, they saw something in me. And so they thought that I would be a good recipient for the Teddy Snow Spirit Award. Could you talk a bit more about you receiving the reward? I was really surprised. I was like, wait, what? Me? Nah. And it's more for people who embody the qualities of one of their co-founders, Terry Snow, who is just this woman with grit, compassion, selflessness, and such a strong character. So the fact that they think that I embodied that and still embody that is just mind-blowing. I know for you especially, you have a really unique fashion aesthetic. Could you talk a bit more about it and what kind of style that you personally like for yourself? I love 
love anything pink, fuzzy, and sparkly. It just makes me so happy. I wear hair bows because they're just amazing, and they make me feel like I can do anything. And I think that if you aren't wearing what you feel comfortable with on the outside, then you're not comfortable with yourself on the inside. And do you have any fashion icons? Oh, I have not like icons in particular, but I do have some iconic pieces, like this sparkly gold jacket that I wear this weather, and one of my favorite bows, which is a giant pair of angel wings. Where'd you get the jacket anyway? Because I know you wear it a lot. I do. It was 25 bucks, and I found it at a Marshalls in Rhode Island, and my dad said, you're never going to wear that, and I said, oh yeah, watch me, and so I did. Well, I've had that conversation with my parents so many times. Right, when I say I'm going to wear something. Yeah! So, you've been to many public conventions and events with others living with disabilities, and I think that's how you reconnected with a lot of the friends you already have. Could you describe what it was like for you to be able to go to your events and your time there? Having a group of people that you can connect with that have similar experiences that you do is something just wonderful and amazing. And because of that, I've not only been able to learn so much about my rights as a person who is disabled, but just about me and things that I can do to better my experience and quality of life. I know that you're also a part of PYD, is that correct? Yes, ma'am. And could you talk a bit more about your experience there and what that is for viewers who don't know? Oh, geez. PYD stands for Partners of Youth for Disabilities. And so what they do is they kind of mentor and coach you to be their best selves and be ready for the adult world. And so I've been a part of their one-to-one mentorship program since I was 12. I'm currently on my third mentor, who is also disabled, and she's amazing. And I also took a part in their youth leadership forum, and I learned so much about what I can do on my gas here and how to transition from being a kid to being an adult with a disability and how to just become more independent. Also curious, since you mentioned your part of the Youth Leadership Forum at Bridgewater State, could you talk a bit more about that experience too? That was so, so fun. I met so many girls with disabilities, including two of my amazing friends. They're both quads to CP, which is really cool because we have very similar experiences. And we text all the time. They've come and visited me a couple of times. I'm going to go visit a girl tomorrow. I'm going to go see her at her basketball game. Just like having them and like being in touch with them is just a really nice thing to do. What would you say is the biggest, most impactful thing you learned from that experience? I think just knowing what you're capable of as a disabled person and what resources are out there to push you to be your most capable self. I also know that you are a huge musical theater nerd. I totally am. It's really bad. (laughs) What would you say are your favorite musicals and why? Oh, God. Wicked, because the sister we love. Dear Evan Hansen, because beautiful and makes me cry. And then Annie, because I identify with finding the positives in a pretty miserable situation and turning it around so that you can continue to march forward and impact other people. What sparked your love for musical theater in the first place? My sister, she likes it. And then I was like, I'm not going to like it because you like it. But then I kind of listened to it and really just started identifying with some of the lyrics and realizing like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Yeah, and I also know that a while ago you saw the Percy Jackson musical and you met some of the cast members, right? That was the best. 
I love my sister for doing that and getting me that present. It was so much fun. I love the soundtrack. It was a birthday present from my older sister, and we went and got to see it together. And I got to meet the girl who played Annabeth in the musical, and she was super sweet. Out of curiosity, too, since the Percy Jackson, that's like a whole series rather than just one book. So for the musical, did they just base it off of one of the books or a compilation of events from the whole series? They just based it off the lightning piece, but they did such a good job. And what would you say is better, the book or the musical? Or the movie? Oh, the movie is trash. <laughs> I say the, the book because you can capture all the details that the author puts in the book into a musical or a movie format. So I'd still say the book's my favorite, but the musical is pretty awesome. So I know you also talk about how traveling is often a real difficulty for disabled people. For those at home who may not know, could you talk a bit more about that? So for traveling, I use an electric wheelchair, and so it's 350 pounds. So I can't go on the plane. We have to put it in the cargo hold, and then to kind of be towed around by, like, a parent or a flight attendant who will help you. And it's really scary to be on the plane while your chair is in the cargo hold because not everyone realizes that it's an extension of your mobility, and they don't always take the best care of it. And so I've had some friends who so have gotten their wheelchairs completely destroyed. So every time I go on a plane, it's thinking about, okay, is my chair safe? Like, am I going to be able to enjoy this trip? And I think, again, it's just people's mindset and being like, this is an extension of my mobility to treat it well. And also, you had a really interesting experience when you visited Puerto Rico. That was fun. Oh, I love Puerto Rico. I made so many friends there. It was just really sweet. And the food is amazing. You also had one story that I really think is really interesting is, you get where I'm going, they had some people on your final day treat you to a bit of a surprise. Yeah, that makes me cry just thinking about it. I got really close with a hotel employee there. I have to say her name because, again, privacy. But she was amazing. And I guess she and I, like, our spirits connected. Because on the last day, she was like, can I surprise you with something? And we had to get going. And my mom was like, I don't think we have time. You know, like, this is only going to take a few minutes. Please let us do this for you. And my mom and I were like, okay. And so they had me roll my chair up to kind of where the, the walkway stopped and the sand started. And they carried me down to the seashore. And I was able to feel the sand and the water in my toes for the first time in I don't know how many years. And it chokes me up to think about it because it was just like being able to impact people, even if it's just like for a week. They gave me such a wonderful kindness and opportunity. It just makes me realize that there are so many wonderful people in the world. Are there any other places in the future that you want to travel to? Oh my God, I've got so many places. Louisiana, Texas, back to Puerto Rico, because I love Puerto Rico so much. Arizona. God, there's so many places I want to travel. About the ones that you mentioned, what makes you want to go to them? I guess the culture is just super interesting. And I have a friend who lives in Texas, so I want to go visit her. Yeah, I think that the culture and the weather down there are also really nice. So, yeah. Are you familiar with Harajuku fashion? Harajuku, yes. They're from Japan, right? Yeah, I think you'd really like that. Especially since you're all about, like, rose, really cute, and, like, girly stuff. I think, like, that kind of fashion district will have a lot of stuff you like. Oh, wow, I'm going to look this up now. You. Yeah, of course. All right, Lillian, that is all the questions I have. Where can the people find you if they want to keep up with you and learn more about you? Ooh, follow me on Instagram at yours.very.truly.lillian. That's Lillian, L-I-L-L-I-A-N. And if you say, hey, I heard about you from Ryan's podcast, let's make a connection, you know, be friends. 
All right, everybody. This wraps up today's episode of Been Thinking About You. Thank you so much, Lillian, again for coming on. Do check out her Instagram. She is awesome. Keep up with her work. All right, everybody. Take care and tune in next time. Bye-bye.